The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. It's Farrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out the bad seat. The broken data bad. Apple with a bad attitude. Hanging around a bunch of bad. We are live in the Farella Palace, right across the river and through the woods from where Granny just got a new handle of Jameson. And she celebrated by puffing a fatty in New York City, the Big Apple. People dressed in plastic bags, directed traffic, some kind of fashion shake it up, should do, but all my friends that come around, flats and flats, a party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown, what a mess, this town's a tatter, my brain splattered all over Manhattan, should do, be shake out, ooh, what's gigging, it's Pharrell with Mafia tonight, in the hizzy, so I'm watching the Blazers up about five now after hitting a, a Trent three, 65-60, just under three minutes left in the first half. And bottom line is, on Coast to Coast today, I said on the TV side that the Nets are no joke. They will give the Blazers a game as sure as I'm sitting here. That was what I said. Now, so far, they have done all of that. Uh, they've been in the game. They battled with them uh, tooth and nail. And it's a really close game. It's a five-point game. Two and a half left in the half. Now, listen. The Blazers have to win this game or their season is over and the Suns would get in to the 8-9 with Memphis. So the Blazers have to win the game and the Nets are having none of it. This is that ragtag bunch of Nets that is patchwork that Jacques Vaughn put together with all their star players out. Lavert Harris and Allen have done the job with a TLC. And this is an exciting club, man. They're getting it done every night. They played. They're already in the playoffs with a bunch of nobodies. And this is a kick-ass game. We're going to have our eyes on it all night. Carolina and the Bruins are tied at twos. Also a good one. We'll give you all the hockey, too, on the bench. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. 
I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Just uh, for our uh, viewing audience, people that watch the show, they may recognize the uh, Coast to Coast set uh, that I'm using tonight. Let's just get down to business. Uh, I butchered the other one. Uh, the Pharrell on a Bench uh, set was it was there one minute and gone the next. And it's the funniest thing because I have all kinds of problems with this technology. It's just beyond me. Like I am the last person that should be touching anything. Like, I am not capable. A mafia, tell them. I can't fix a nail in a wall. I can't. I literally can't. Like, I could barely. I can cook a scrambled egg. That's about it. I am not meant for fixing things. I'm not. And technologically unsavvy. Uh, I have to be the worst person you've ever met in your life when it comes to technology. Is that about right? Yes, absolutely. That you are the one of the worst people. I know people who are like, you know, 15 years old and you for some reason have a better grasp of technology than you. So when I, you saw that it was there for one minute and then it disappeared, you couldn't get it back either. And you're a genius. Yeah, no, I, I well, you know, we we're short on time, so I didn't want to go looking, poking around. I just wanted to get us up on the air and getting running. So we didn't mess with too much. All right. Well, but just admit that like even you couldn't get it because we had no time. So we didn't have any time. So if you would have had 10 minutes, you would have been able to find it. But the thing vanished into thin air. And then what happened to me? Like, what was my uh, meltdown like? Your meltdown was a freak out, you know, it's usual temper tantrum, throwing clothes, threatening to break things. It's, uh, you know, everything's, uh, if you think of a toddler at their worst, it's you. I was cussing, throwing things, smashing things, changing clothes, sweating, cussing, yelling, screaming. And then like, so my dog blew out his knee, right? So the story goes, everyone knows that, that Boston has blown out another wheel and he's, he's already had one knee surgery. Now he's going to have another one, major reconstructive knee surgery. So he ha- he's waiting till Tuesday, right? To have it. So he can't, he cannot go up steps and stuff. He can't, he cannot walk. So, but the dog is stupid. So the dog, uh, tries, It'll like try to pull itself up the stairs with its front legs and it has no back leg. It can't do it. And so we have to put up this fence. So when I was mad, I went downstairs to uh, grab drinks for the show and I had to jump over this fence. And when I jumped over the fence, my foot got caught on the fence. So what I did was my wife and daughter were on the sofa. And when I caught my foot on the fence, they both kind of got startled. And that because I'm I'm big and I'm scary. And I'm not a scary person toward my family, but I am a a nasty, loud, cussing machine when things aren't going my way. And I'm Bob Knight. And so I 
caught my foot on the fence, and then I yelled, I'm about ready to kick that Pharrellin fence through the... And she's like, it's not the fence's fault. And I was like, shut up. I needed someone to support me in that moment. I need the fence gone. Get out of my way. I got to get drinks. I got to go on the air. I got problems. I got technology problems. I can't find my guy to fix it. And I am livid. So there's that. Anyway, so we finally, we, we were able to put on the, uh, obviously, the uh, coast-to-coast set for your viewing pleasure. So if you've never seen the uh, show in the afternoon on TV, this is what it looks like. We have a Lemieux jersey, Metallica, platinum album. We got the whole deal. Guitar, like, you know, covers, things of this nature. I don't even know. Is that a good guitar cover? <laughs> what is that thing, Mafia? Is it a, it's the, it's the handle of the guitar where the strings are, uh, you know, with the, Kirk Hammett. It's like did a hear, fretboard or something, right? Yeah. Did you hear the uh, interview that Metallica did with Howard on uh, like his show this week? It was like a couple of days ago. It was really good. No, I did not. I don't get up that early ever. So they had, uh, they had a, they're coming out with their S&M album box set, like this collector's issue with the San Francisco Symphony, right? So it's uh, Metallica jamming with the symphony. They did it 20 years ago. They're doing it again. And um, so the bottom line is, uh, I was listening to the interview. Now, I don't listen a lot ever like never, to be honest with you, to Howard anymore, because I, you know, I love Howard. We're friends, whatever. And I worked for him for a long time. And when I left, uh, it kind of bummed me out. So I just don't listen anymore. I don't, it just, you know, if I listen, it will, it'll bum me out. You know, I, I, I'll miss it. I'll, uh, regret it. I'll have, you know, flashbacks, things like this. I'm just telling you the truth. Like mafia, you know, it bothers me, right? Like, I don't like to, uh, I don't like to go back. I go forward. Like, uh, you know, I never listened to it once after I left there for eight years, not once. And then I didn't listen, uh, you know, ever. I like, I left CBS. I, I don't listen to that either. I wouldn't listen to that even when I worked there. That's how bad it was. And then uh, I came to Sports Grid. And then the only reason I would listen to Howard, and, and I love Howard, don't get me wrong. I love all of them. Everyone on the show, Fred, Robin, I love everybody. I'm cool with all of them, but I just don't listen. It's not my bag anymore. But I listen when uh, Metallica is on because I'm friends with them too. I love Metallica. And uh, I've always loved them. I did the Acoustica album with them. I was the voice on the Acoustica album, uh, taking phone calls from fans all around the world and uh, requesting songs to Metallica play acoustically. So uh, I heard they were going to be on. My wife listens to Howard all the time, every day, whatever. She still listens. And uh, she said, uh, Metallica's on. So I turned it on. First time I'd listened to him in like, I don't know, nine, ten years, something like that. And I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I liked uh, every bit of it. Howard's a great interviewer, best ever. And uh, Metallica is so cool. But it was really kind of weird because 
like you could tell someone had prepped Howard with all like, you know, how you'll prep me mafia with one sheets on guests. You could tell someone prepped him on everything because he didn't know anything about him. Like he didn't he was reading off of this uh, prep. I mean, he's like, so where are you guys in L.A.? And they're in San Francisco in Sausalito. That's where their uh, headquarters are. That's where their studio is. And when he said, uh, where are you guys in L.A.? Then I knew that he didn't know what he was talking about. I'm just being honest. And it had nothing to do with it being a uh, anything but a great interview. It's just that uh, I knew like a lot more about him. You know what I mean? Metallica, the band. Because I'd, uh, you know, he'd seen him. He said he had seen him live in New York. But I've seen him 30 times live. <laughs> okay. And I've done, I've partied with him. So uh, it's just a different thing. But I thought it was really cool hearing Howard interview him. And uh, they played a lot of music in the uh, interview. They they played, they jammed uh, in the studios in New York, obviously. So uh, it was really uh, badass, unless uh, I'm mistaken. I'm pretty sure they were in uh, New York doing it. So I think they were here and they went up there in the Midtown and jammed with him. And it was pretty cool. I liked it. So... I heard it. All that was good. So uh, the rumors are coming in now, Mafia, that we're going to have our guy fix the problem here. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, that we should be back up and running normal within the next couple minutes. Jeez. You think he'll be able to do it that fast? Of course. He's a god like that. He is a god. Your boy Joe Ranieri in South FLA with all that gorgeous. (laughs) All right. So uh, at the half, let me get this straight. 73-67 Blazers. They have to win. You knew the Spurs were eliminated earlier tonight, so they went out and rolled over for the Jazz. 118-112. I hit the Jazz on the spread there. And then there's one other game. The Pelicans are getting rubbed by the Magic. 77-61 in the third. It just started the second half, and they're getting blown out because they've also quit playing. And we all, all know what happened. The Lakers rolled over today. Kings beat them 136-122. Celtics rolled over. They lost by six to the Wizards, one of the worst teams in the league, if you ask me. And the uh, Bucks lost to the Grizzlies. Grizzlies had to win. Moran had the triple-double, and they won 119-106. So right now, Grizzlies are in the play-in. Suns are in, unless the Blazers win. If the Blazers win, the Suns are out, and it's Memphis and the Blazers. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
right, for on a bench. Uh, what are we going to do, Mavi? We're going to talk to Kurt Heelan. Uh, do we got him? Let's bring Kurt Heelan to NBC. Talk a little NBA rack. We always like hooking up with uh, Kurt. How you doing, Kurt? I'm doing good. How's it going, man? It's good to uh, catch up, brother. I hope all is well. So, um, you know, I'm watching this game, right? I'm watching um, the Blazers and Nets. And uh, when I was doing the TV show today, I, I said on the air that uh, the Nets will give them problems because they've given everyone problems in the bubble. And so far, that's exactly what they've done in this game. Now, I know it's a six-point game at the half, but that's nothing. I mean, uh, all these other teams, Memphis, uh, you know, the Suns, they were all involved in blowouts today. All these other teams rolled over. The Nets are giving the Blazers all they can handle tonight. The, the, the Nets are scrappy. The Nets are, I mean, this was a team that I think we all thought, well, they're not even, you know, Orlando will finish in front of them. They'll be the eighth seed. They'll be out of there in four games with the Bucks. That is just not who they've been. They've been a scrappy, feisty team that just, like you said, is playing hard and not rolling over and winning games uh, just by buying into the system and, and doing what they can. I mean, they've got Karis LeVert, and they've got a couple guys who can put up buckets. But in general, they're just playing really good, hard team basketball. And a lot of nights in the bubble, just playing hard has been enough because other teams are kind of coasting. And I think we saw that today, those first two games. It was, it's, it's not that – that was just examples of teams that wanted to win versus teams that couldn't have cared less. That's not the case tonight. Like – if Portland wins this one, they're going to have to earn it. So, you know, um, I, I, it's amazing to me, uh, the uh, this uh, TLC, Cabarro, has played phenomenally well in the bubble. And, uh, you know, Jacques Vaughn gave him massive burn, and he took advantage of it, I think, like no other on that roster. You know what? Part of what's been going on with with the Nets and part of what's just been going on with some teams in the summer league in general is I've got summer league with with um, you know the bubble in general is you've got guys really playing for their next contract and it summer league because it reminds me of summer league summer league ball is sloppy Scott <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's it's throughout it's just bad you know it's just sloppy but guys play hard guys are playing for their con both. Outside of the handful of rookies we all focus on, most of those guys are playing for contract. It might be overseas. It might be in the G League. It might, they're, they're looking for a camp invite or whatever. They're busting it. Guys go all out. And we've gotten that with teams like the Nets. We're like, a lot of those guys are just playing for the next deal, and they're, they're killing it. So do you think, uh, you know, I've heard all this uh, talk about that they're going to replace Jock Vaughn. And I got to tell you, when it first uh, happened and they and they fired Kenny Atkinson, right, I called it on Coast to Coast. I said, this guy's going to get fired. And Mafio backed me up on this. I was calling for it. I said, this guy is not the guy to coach Durant and Kyrie and a bunch of star players. I think he's a developer of talent, not a, uh, you know, mother hen when it comes to when the big names are in, in the crib, right? And so I thought he was going to get fired. I didn't think he was the right coach for the job, and he did. Then all of a sudden they put Jock Vaughn, and I'm like, Jock Vaughn, you got to be kidding me. Then I watched him coach, and I have to tell you, when they started talking about replacing him, 
now, it, and this has been going on the last couple of weeks, right? I actually uh, am offended that they would even consider replacing him now after the job, frankly, that he's done with this ragtag bunch of no-name hacks he's got playing for him in the bubble. And they went down there and they played everyone tough. They won a bunch of big games. They beat the Bucks. I don't care who was playing. They were 19-point dogs and kicked the Bucks' ass. Just that game alone, the guy deserves the job. What do you mean they're going to replace him with Jeff Van Gundy and Ty Law? I heard Jeff Van Gundy's name 2,000 times over the last 20 years to replace every job in the NBA, and he's never taken one of them. Why would he with that cushy television job he's got? Jeff Van Gundy coaching again to me is laughable in the NBA because he never does it. I think Jeff Van Gundy has come up for every high school, major college, and probably a few high school jobs in the past few years. Like it's, it is amazing how many jobs. And outside of coaching the, uh, you know, NBA G League team that we had to send out because of the way you know FIBA set up the the qualifying for the World Cup and stuff, we um, he he hasn't taken on a job. I I'd, I'd be surprised if he took this one. We'll see. You got to remember with this one, Scott. What's really interesting because I'm with you. Like to me, Jock Vaughn earned the chance to coach this team next year. He is a guy who's look. He's been a head coach, but I, and and it was a player. But I think more than that, going in every sport. I mean, Belichick being like the most obvious. Guys learn from their mistakes the first time, right? Like, okay, I didn't do this. Well, most guys do. The best coaches are like, he's a slightly different coach. I think he's ready to coach stars. But ultimately, sitting up in the emperor's box are Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and they're going to give this the thumbs up or thumbs down, and then that's going to that's going to help decide this. I mean, if they don't want the guy, or if they want Ty Lue or Jason Kidd or whoever they want, then that's what happens. Do you believe that that's what they're going to do? Is that those two prima donnas are going to work this guy right out of there because they don't want him to be their coach and they'd rather have Ty, Jason, or I don't even believe for one minute Jeff Van Gundy's going to be the coach of the Nets. So uh, I, I could believe Kid. I can believe Ty Lue. I'd put Lou ahead of Kid, in fact. I would do look Lou by the end in Cleveland. Um, you know, he got a lot of, oh, he rolled, you know, he's LeBron's guy, he rolls the ball out for LeBron or whatever. Uh, and, and he had some rough coaching moments, learning on the job, kind of getting thrust into it. By the end, he was running some really clever X's and O's stuff. I, I think he's a good coach um, and obviously has the backing of the players. So if, if Kyrie wants him there, I think that could happen. We'll see. I, I think Jock Vaughn, if he gets the chance to make his case, can make a really good one. Um, to Durant and Irving, but who knows what they want? They're, they're certainly not going to come out publicly and tell us. They're going to say they're not involved, and it doesn't matter to them, and they'll play for whoever. Um, that's just not how it works. So um, let me ask you a question, uh, Kurt. The you know the the back break that uh, McCollum's dealing with, right? So I was telling this story the other day. So like Saturday, you know I ball a lot. Saturday I had a guy crank me in the back on like a back screen he was coming around and he and he ran into me i was defending he was flying through the the paint he i was in the way i'm 6'4 220 whatever and he cranked me in the lower back and i don't have back problems right like i've just not had luckily for me i've never had that problem i've, I've been pretty tough with that so uh 
I felt my entire back like snap forward and then nothing, nothing happened. Cause I was lit soaking wet playing 90 degree heat outdoors in the hood. Next thing you know, I get home and I, and my back started uh, tightening up like yep. really bad. Then Sunday I played and I literally couldn't bend over and touch my knees. That's how bad my back hurt. And then Tuesday I played uh, and I play at like six 30 in the morning and I played and I, and the whole time I played, I had the same problem. I couldn't bend over. And I, uh, every time I tried to defend or tried to go in and, and, and produce uh, around a bucket, I felt pain, like sharp knife pain in my back. The point of all this is that today I played and I took like two a leave before I played and I didn't have a problem with it. But my point is, is that McCollum's got this broken bone in his back. And I saw that he injured it in the Memphis game when they first got down into the bubble. Explain to me how this guy, can be playing right now with a bone broken in his back because I got to tell you if your back is out or you have a back problem or back yeah. stiffness and you can't bend over and touch your knees how in God's name can you play I'm a fat old man and I can ball my ass off but I'm not in the NBA how can you play an NBA game with a bad back explain that to me I wish I knew man he and he's played really well tonight he's had some really nice moves he's, he's always had a lot he's got so much craft to his game he's such a good shooter but I don't know. I mean, and it you, it certainly affected him. I mean, he was, what, 2 of 14 last game. It gets to him at points. But then there's times where it just clearly doesn't, and he's just playing through it. And I know there's degrees of that, but I, I think it speaks to his mental toughness. Like, just that he's able to do that is – and kind of put aside – you know it hurts. Like, yeah, he's getting a shot, and he's getting and he's getting treatment and what have you, man. You don't move the same. You can't move the same. And he's still finding a way to, to be productive. Uh, that's huge. And I, I, you know, they need, if they're going to advance, they want to get this done as quickly as they can. So he can get some days off because they get to the Lakers. They're going to need a whole lot of CJ to have any chance. They're still uh, very impressive. To me, the two most impressive teams in the entire bubble were the Suns and the Blazers. And Jurgic has meant so much to him. Collins as well, so long. Gary Trent has been my top five players uh, in uh, the bubble, you know, I, I'm going to go Porter, Booker, Trent, and uh, I'm going to go Warren in there as well. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that's all. Couple, we're yeah. gonna come back. We're gonna come back, Kurt. Just hold on there, because I got a lot more ball I want to talk with you. We're gonna talk about these matchups in the East and in the West, and what you think of the Blazers uh, in the rest of this game. We're talking to Kurt Heelan, NBC, on a bench. Uh, by the way, the Pelicans. People are saying that Lonzo checked out. I heard that. How about them? They checked out as a team tonight. They're down 95-74 in the third. So that game's a wash. All that is left is to see if the Blazers win this game and get that eight spot and a play-in with Memphis because the Suns would go if the Blazers lose to the Nets tonight. It's Pharrell on the bench. We're talking to our good buddy, uh, Kurt Heelan of NBC on... Um, the bench. I have to ask you, Kurt, like, so if, if the Blazers hypothetically finish this game off and they're still up only six, if they win and, and seal the deal, are you uh, stoked at all about that? Uh, you know, Blazers Lakers, they still have to do work against Memphis, right? Like what'll happen? They have to have a play. And so they're the eight and Memphis would be the, the nine. So Memphis would have to beat the Blazers twice to get the spot, right? Correct. The eighth seed has to win just one out of the two games. And, you know, I just don't see how Memphis beats Portland. 
two times in a row. I just they're not playing as well. They they you know the fact that look all you need to know is they had a three and a half game cushion and they couldn't hold the eight seed. Like they were they've been pretty awful until today when they got the win only and again largely because the Bucks you know Giannis Antetokounmpo wasn't there, but they were that was not the fully focused Bucks who were just looking ahead already. So um, yeah, it's they go through and then they've got some work to do. Look, I. I can tell you, you know, based out here in LA, this is this is the team the Lakers didn't want. When you talk to people around them, they, this is the they believe, and I, I agree with them. Like, I think the Lakers beat Portland in a series, but you've got to work a whole lot harder than you would against Memphis. Like, you've got to find a way to defend Damon CJ, and you mentioned Nurkic, who's the guy who makes that whole thing go. His passing as a big, his ability to kind of get the ball off the nail and find cutters and stuff just opens everything up. They got shooters. Carmelo Anthony's taken on a role for them. You're going to have to work to beat them. You're going to have to really work to beat them. And I don't think the Lakers want that in the first round because you know, it's, <laughs> it ain't going to get easier for them. So uh, when you look at um, the, the Rockets and the Thunder, and you know that they're talking today about Westbrook's quad, uh, here's another injury I've had. I tore my quad, and uh, that is a six-month heal. A, a torn quad is is forever to to get over. I mean, it's just a completely shred it. It's like tearing your calf. You shred it, you're out a month. You you shred your quad, you're out four to six months, in my opinion. But he's obviously just got a strained quad or a pulled quad, which is just an aggravation injury for his, you know, quick lightning bolt attack of the rack when he drives so fast by people. I would think that he would be limited in that capacity if he's got a pulled quad, that he would not have that burst and that quickness that we're accustomed to seeing. How much does that quad start to factor into your opinion of that series? A factor is a lot. A, I really like Oklahoma City as a team. Like, I like the way they play. Chris Me Paul too. has been a fantastic leader this year. But, I mean, that is a balanced roster. Like, they've got some decent wings. They've got Steven Adams in the middle. They've got just everything about that roster just kind of fits well, and they play well together. And now you're going to go up against a Rockets team trying something different, trying something new, and now without a KP or with a slowed KP. So you're not going to have him for the first game or two. I can't imagine when he returns. Like you said, his game is so built. I mean, he's got craft, but so much of it's just based on the fact that he's this absolutely overwhelming athlete. And that's probably not going to be quite the same. You can Now that I can, I can load up on James Harden. I can load on James Harden and say, all right, Daniel House, uh, Eric Gordon, beat me. And those are good players, but it's not the same threat without Westbrook. I just – I like Oklahoma City in that series. Yeah, I love uh, that team. Uh, everything about that Thunder team. Stephen Adams is a monster. I like yeah. uh, Gallinari. Just looks better physically. Uh, he's learned a lot, I think, about the game, um, you know, since Denver or whatever. And I just think there's so many pieces. Uh, Gilgis Alexander. I mean, they have so many different pieces that I like. They're athletic, they're fast, they're smart, they move the ball, I, I think, beautifully. They kick it around and get a good look, and they get a good shot. 
And um, they got inside game with Adams. They got outside game. They got a great point guard that's just become, as you said, a, just a huge, significant role for them in, in CB3. He's become such a leader now and yeah. a teacher on the floor. And I, they got a great coach. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Now, what do you think? I, Denver against the Clippers let me down last night. I thought Denver in the fourth quarter looked terrible. And I thought they looked just shot and they got run out of the building. And meanwhile, they were in the game the whole game. And then in the fourth, they just died a slow death. So I, I have to tell you, uh, I was not impressed with them. I don't think Murray's back to himself. And I think that they have issues. Now, I am buying Porter. I think he's been incredible. And I'm buying Jokic. But I don't know what else on that team I like at all. They're not the same without Harrison Barton. I can tell you that much. No, they're not. And I actually just had posted a video at NBC. That was my upset. I, I look. Do I trust Utah? No, not really. <laughs> like they right. haven't looked particularly good in the bubble either, right? Like, right. And all that, but Denver has the worst defense statistically in the bubble side. They, they're horrible. They're just not good on that end of the floor, and that loses you playoff series because. Donovan Mitchell can still go get buckets, and Joe Ingles can knock stuff down, and, and Rudy Gobert is an underrated role guy. Like, he's got good hands. He rolls. You better you better track him or he'll dunk. I think that they can find a way to get points against Denver and get enough stops to win that day. I, Denver's going to have to show me a lot more than I've seen from them in this bubble. They just, I'm with you. I have not been impressed with them throughout this. And, and to be blunt, I'm not totally convinced Jamal. They're paying him like a number two, but I'm not convinced Jamal Murray's a number two. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Porter's past him now in terms of yeah. significance in that offense. Like, I want Porter to have the ball. I, I, I still, you know what I mean? I think I think Murray can shoot, and I think he can play. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's lost his skill. I think oh, that no, he's no. He, he got injured, and I don't think he's playing the way he's capable of. Now, let me ask you about the Clippers because – you know, they beat Denver last night, whatever. But uh, that team with Kawhi, with PG, with Lou, with uh, Harrell, and with uh, the other big fella, uh, you know, I think Dubots has been incredible. I think the guy can um, – he can flat out play in the low block and on the glass and on the rim and on dunks and on swats and rebounds. They, to me – Without a doubt, like I'm not a buyer of McGee and uh, Dwight Howard, really, in my opinion, over, uh, frankly, the youth and the bigs that uh, Harrell and, and this kid yeah. bring to the table. I think the Clippers are better than the Lakers. And I'll tell you what, they can score with anybody. And they, if they get three or four guys in the mid-20s, forget it, they don't lose. The only question I've got about the Clippers is just they haven't had enough games with that core together to have the kind of chemistry that the Lakers did actually, to be fair, build up, you know, they had guys around enough of the season that they build it up. But that said, I'm with you. You know, the other thing that I like in a playoff team, it's why I kind of like Boston in the East. Um, and then there's other teams, but I like the Clippers. I, 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 you know, I think the bucks come out of the East, but the reason I like the way they're building Boston, I like versatility and wing versatility in particular in the playoffs, the Clippers, you want to play, they go up against Houston. They, you want to play small? All right, we'll beat you small. You want to go big? We can actually go big. We we can put Kawhi at the three and Paul, you know, Paul George at the two and play some bigger guys and cause you problems that way. 
there's just a depth and versatility to that roster and a really underrated smart coach in Doc Rivers who can use that different ways. I think that they can play against any matchup. And um, as long as Kawhi is healthy, I, they've been my pick to win it all along. I've just, I'm not coming off of that right now. I, but it feels like I'm, I love them. I like the way they're built, but I feel like I'm talking about them on paper. We haven't really seen them do it on the court, except for like that kind of stretch between the all, you know, 11 games between the all-star break and, uh, right. and you know, when, when the league shut down, they were the best team in the NBA for that stretch. But since then, we were, and before that, we just haven't seen enough of these guys. You know, the, the Nets have taken the lead with an 11-1 run, and they are giving the Blazers nightmares. And it's basically uh, Lavert and Allen going off. And the refs finally give Allen a call. He's been getting butchered in the paint. And he also got a uh, – they, you know, uh, they were swatting shots that were, you know, uh, I thought buckets. Uh, I thought they were missing goaltending on the last trip down. And it, the game's getting real physical and real wild around uh, at both ends of the floor and violent in the paint. If you watch this game, it's getting really, really intense. And the Nets are there to play. Let me ask you about, you talk about the Celtics. Is it because uh, they just have Embiid now and no Simmons that you've lost faith in Philly? Uh, you don't think Harris and the rest of them, Shamit, any of them can can hang? I just also haven't seen it from them. Like, right. Like I, that's another team where on paper, I love, I love them. What, and it, I, it, maybe, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Cause I, I'm willing to give it to the Clippers cause I've seen it in flashes. And I think if they work it, on paper, this team should be better than it is. And it just hasn't gotten there. And I'm not sure that losing Simmons hurts them. It hurts them, but I don't know that it hurts them as much as it would other teams. Cause they've got some depth in your, plugging in Al Horford and you can stretch the floor and you can do different things. Their defense is really good, but they just haven't put it together with spacing and shot creation. And Brett Brown is probably going to pay the price for that. But to me, the flaws go more to Elton brand and how that team was built. They were, they were not built with spacing in mind. They just went out and got a bunch of long athletic defenders and thought that they could build it that way. And they just have not been able to make the offense work. Yeah, and uh, I agree with all that. How about the Heat and Pacers? I asked someone today, do you think that, um, uh, you know, I was on my TV show and I said uh, that I think that uh, Buckets and Warren are probably going to get in a fist fight in that series. I know that. I was about to say, I will take seven games of that, but you know the referees. You know that. You know the first quarter of that first game, they're going to call. Everything's got there. Right. They are going to like. Right. We're going to set a tone for this thing, man. It's going to be ugly. Um, take the over on whistles in that first game, whatever the bet is. Um, it's it's going to be yeah. It's I look. Those teams don't like each other. Those two guys don't particularly like each other. I love that. I, I I'm I'm ready for that series. That's one of my favorite first round series. I have to tell you, I got about uh, 90 seconds. I like the Raptors, actually, over the Bucks. I, I think the Raptors-Nets is going to be interesting. I, the more I yeah. watch the Nets play, the more I'm impressed with them. I still think the Raptors will somehow finish them off, and then the Bucks will beat the Magic. I like the Raptors' chances. I love it. They know who they are, right? They know exactly what they are. They are so well coached. They're the second-best defensive team in the league this year, really creative and they got another team that can score a variety of ways. Pascal Siakam has stepped up and been the man. Like, he's filled that Kawhi role in a lot of ways. 
still got Kyle Lowry, still got guys who can score all over the place. Again, back to versatility. They can beat you a lot of ways, man. And that's a that's always a dangerous team. Hey, Kurt, uh, you're a badass. You know I love you. Uh, you're always uh, great on the show. I love talking rack with you. And uh, we'll get it uh, going again during the playoffs. Uh, go enjoy the rest of this uh, Blazer Net game. Thanks for coming on the bench tonight, brother. I'll be in touch for sure. I look forward to talking to you, man. And yeah, this game's this game's been a lot of fun. I got you gotta love the Scrappy Nets, man. They don't give up. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. Even that Tyler Johnson, boy, he's found a, a home. I, he never played like this yeah. with the uh, Heat, if you ask me. And uh, no, no. I just love watching everything about this team. Uh, and there he is again going to the 10. I mean, they are going for it for sure and getting a whistle. I like the way they're uh, going right to the rack and going right at the Blazers. And they are there to play. This is going to be a hell of a finish. They're up 94-89 right now. The Nets, three and a half left in the third. Thanks, Kurt. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Take care, buddy. Uh, my man, Kurt Heelan of NBC. I love that dude. He loves basketball, that guy. I can talk basketball with that guy every day of the week. Mafia knows it's true. So, uh, Garrett Temple and... Uh, and Dame Lillard just went for a loose ball after a, a long rebound, and it was up by half court. Ball was rolling out toward the, uh, you know, half court and out of bounds, and they both went running for the ball. They both locked arms, and then Dame Lillard flopped like going for an Oscar, and he literally, when he got on the ground, he acted like he had his eyes gouged out and his face cut open. He had the whole drama going in front of the ref. He looked right at the ref and he begged him. He's, he acted like he had cringed face. He was like, ah, he did the whole thing. Meanwhile, when you watch the, the play over and over, every time you see it in slow motion, Mafia even saw it, it was clear that he flopped and he never got hit in the face. He never got injured. He never got his eyes gouged out. He never got his mouth hit or the side of his face hit. It was all an Oscar acting job and the ref fell for it. If anyone committed a foul on that loose ball, it was it was Dame Lillard on Temple. He shoved him up in the arm, out of the way to get that ball, and you know it, Mafia. That was absolute BS flop city, and the ref fell for it, sucker. That is, that is, that's an entire acting job. That is such BS. That whole flop right there was so phony, and now he's sitting there shooting free throws. You got to be kidding me. And look, yeah, there's nothing. Soccer, it's not basketball court. But that was absolutely, like, he, he completely... Now he misses the free throw, which is beautiful. He deserved it. Ball don't lie, does it? I mean, this guy just acted his way to the line. That was the worst call. It was a that was a foul on Lillard on Temple, if you ask me. So 95-90 now. Nets up 320 and rolling in this game. This game is kick-ass. We're going to watch the rest of it. Stars and Flames tied at once. Canes beat the Bruins 3-2 to even that series.